Hey folks, you're listening to How to Win a Campaign, where you'll get an insider's perspective that teaches you not only how to run, but how to win. I'm Martin Diego Garcia. And I'm Joe Fold. And you can find us at CMPWRKSHP on Twitter or at the Campaign Workshop on Instagram. Welcome and thanks for listening to this episode of How to Win a Campaign. On the last episode, we spoke with Representative Danica Rome about what to do after you win. So if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you check it out. And today we're going to be talking about how to win even if you lose your campaign. We'll be discussing how to deal with the loss and how to move forward onto your next move. Because in every race, there's a winner, which often means there's a loser. We're also going to be touching base on what you should and should not be thinking about after the loss of a campaign. But Joe, to get started, what are the important things that a candidate should be doing once the campaign is done? The day after an election is a hard day. No matter win or lose, it's going to be rough. There is an emotional aspect to everything you do. One of the things we would recommend is you have a list of what you're going to do on that day and prepare that ahead of time. We've put some lists in the show notes. We've written a bunch about this. Check that out. But you want to make sure that you are ready for how hard that day is going to be, both emotionally and physically. If you win, you may be standing out, waving at traffic. If you lose, you may be spending your day helping take your yard signs down. Whatever it is, you also want to make sure that you are spending that day thanking people. It might be the last thing you want to do to reach out to folks who gave their time and energy into the campaign, especially if you lost. But it is really emotionally important as a leader to do that. So do that. Plan that out. Put those lists together. Make sure you have a plan of what you're going to do. Thank people and be sure to call an email and connect with people as much as you can. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, Hopefully you're getting into this race understanding that losing is a possibility. 95% of incumbents win their re-elections. And so jumping into these races and playing in the political space, we definitely play to win, but very often at some point in your career, you're going to lose. And so you want to make sure that you remember to be gracious about it, because even though losing is hard, your reaction is probably more important to what your future can look like. We worked with a dear friend of ours who ran for a city council office and lost and was ended up appointed to a deputy mayor position in the city that she ran in. And it was because she dealt with that loss in a respectful way and was able to utilize that campaign in a way to move on to what a next step could be. So remember, be respectful and appreciate the hard work that both yourself and everyone who supported you and didn't support you that went into your campaign. Because if your goal is to ultimately make your community a better place, we want to continue to build bridges and not burn them down. And so uh, these are some overarching ways to handle that loss. But Joe, what do candidates need to do in terms of post-campaign actions? First, we haven't talked about emotional support and emotional safety, but I think that is really important. I'm a big believer in therapy. I think you want to make sure that your campaign staff and the candidate has emotional support, has friends and family around them. You set that up ahead of time. Sometimes it's very emotionally hard and you want to make sure you give people the space and the room for that support. So one, I want to call that out. But then also there are some really basic things you want to be doing from a legal and an organizational standpoint. Take stock of your assets. 
make sure that you have a list of all the things that you want to catalog and organize. Make sure you understand the legal requirements that you have to put in place after your campaign ends. Are there filings? Are there fundraising things you have to clean up? Make sure you're doing all that. Speaking of cleanup, pick up those signs, right? Make sure that you are following those requirements and leaving your town better than how you found it. That is really important. And again, talk to your lawyer, make sure you understand what records you need to keep. All of that has to be done. We will have a list of these things in the show notes. But Martine, I always get asked this, but at what point do you analyze what worked and what went wrong in a race? Absolutely. After you have spent your day in the dark, (laughs) in your bed, in the fetal position, you're going to want to take some time to actually do some analysis shortly thereafter the campaign has finished. And it's important to do all of these other steps that Joe talked about. But the analyzing part is important because if you ever decide to run again in the future, it's going to really help you run a better campaign. So we've interviewed our first season, the former mayor of Houston, Anise Parker, and she lost twice before she ended up uh, winning nine times after that. But it was because there was a post-analysis effort that was made to understand what were the things that went right and what were the things that went wrong. Was it, we didn't anticipate there were going to be that many people who voted early. We didn't anticipate a pandemic. We didn't anticipate the messages that were going to come out from our opponents. What were the pieces that you all prepared for and did well? And what were the pieces that maybe took you by surprise and threw you off your game? It's helpful to know those things so that as you're continuing to build your career in the political space, you're able to draw on those to run a better campaign in the future. So it's important not to let this step drag out or dwell on it, but it's really going to help you in the long run. And I recommend probably analyzing it quickly and then moving on. Exactly. Set a timeline to do this and respect the work that you and your team put into the campaign and use it as motivation for what your next move is. Don't dwell on it. Eventually you will run out of Chunky Monkey and you have to get out of your house. (laughs) Absolutely. And it should be part of your campaign process, right? This debrief and analysis, whether you win or lose, should already be built into your campaign so that throughout the duration of your campaign, you are really, as Joe mentioned, whether legal or message or polling or targeting, you're keeping those records handy and in an organized fashion so that at the end of the race, you're not digging into your email or calling somebody who you haven't talked to in six months to find some of those pieces to do that really intentional analysis. And just because you're elected doesn't mean there aren't things that you could do in your community. Doesn't mean there isn't a path for you to make a real difference. And so we're going to segue now into the great interview we did with Steve Kirkland, who really talked about that and how he had been a judge and now what he did after that. And I think it's really an important story to hear. So I look forward to sharing it with you after the break. And we're back. Judge Steve Kirkland has an extensive career in the law, including working as a senior assistant attorney for the city of Houston. He helped to develop the Houston Homeless Recovery Court and was recognized with the Government Friends of the Homeless Award. Steve was a municipal court judge from 2001 to 2008. 
He was elected to the 215th Civil District Court for the state of Texas in 2008 and served for four years. In 2014, he ran for Civil District Court and lost in the primary. In 2016, Kirkland ran for the judge of the Civil District Court and won, defeating an incumbent. In 2018, Kirkland ran for Supreme Court but lost in the general election. After serving as a judge for over 16 years, Kirkland is now the city attorney in Nacogdoches, Texas. Judge Kirkland, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Good to see you again. So, Steve, you're in a unique position. You both won and lost multiple campaigns. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what steps you took both after winning and after losing? So the first thing that you always do in a campaign and that you do not just because it's good campaign, but you do it for yourself is you say thank you. You say thank you to the folks close to you. You say thank you to the folks that supported your campaign. And then you have a big, broad thank you note to the world in general. And now with social media, it's easy to do that in a non-personal, but get it out of the way sort of way. I have been fortunate to have a partner who has been supportive in making sure that I have arranged a vacation, (laughs) which I've come to call the decompression vacation, that happens fairly shortly after the election. So a day or two of thank you and processing, and then get on a plane and get the heck out of Dodge or wherever you are someplace where you're not planning or plotting or having people commiserate or congratulate. Getting on a plane is one thing, but how do you give yourself the headspace to process the election that just happened? You know, the plane actually helps me a lot. And that's because I know myself well enough to know that if I get out of the usual space, then I'm not going to try to be doing the usual things, which at the end of a campaign is go, 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 constantly focusing, obsessing over the next meeting, the next group, the next endorsement, the next fundraiser. There's a constant train of stuff that you're pushing. Even when you have an end date in sight, you're constantly pushing for that next vote somehow. So you have to create something to break you out of that. For me, that's getting on a plane because, you know, you have to go in airplane mode, right? (laughs) You can't use the phone and I'm too cheap to buy the, you know, the online or on in-flight stuff. Uh, Plus, for me, going to a beach is one of those things that I do. So it means I have to fly over water. So you lose the Internet. And so, you know, it kind of forced separation, forced uh, division. And, you know, any good campaigner is going to be that obsessive with the campaign. And so probably is a good idea to have that forced break. You know, my friend Denise Parker is one that is like, it took me a long time to get her to finally agree to do those force breaks because she always felt like she had to hit the ground running if she won or lost. I'm like, no, you need time to process and move on. She does that now. (laughs) What I would say is, is that 
my wins were much easier to process than a loss. Winning absolves everything. You're like, okay, I've won. As a matter of fact, I don't think I took as much time really dissecting the wins, whereas the losses, I think I still dissect to this day. How about you? Oh, absolutely. Any kind of setback, uh, any kind of defeat, any kind of critical performance is stuff that it takes longer to process and you're always trying to fix it even when it's not fixable. It's still something you have to process. And to this day, you know, I look back at some of the defeats and some of them were a long time ago. (laughs) It's like I could have played that differently and it's when you stop, A, it's not healthy, but to a degree it's healthy to learn something, but at some point you have to give it up, right? Teaching yourself to give it up is, is a hard lesson for anybody. And those of us that are doing these campaigns probably need to learn that lesson more so than anybody else does. Does one particular loss stand out as being particularly hard to process? And what did you do to get over, specifically like the Supreme Court loss? Was there one that kind of jumps out to you? The last loss is always the hard one to process. You got through the prior losses and moved on to whatever the next stage is. So the last loss is the one that that is still hardest. But frankly, I think the last loss was still the hardest to process. The Supreme Court race, when I got into that, I knew I was tilting at windmills when I did it. And so I went into it with a different attitude. I'm a believer that campaigns matter in terms of the dialogue of the governing group, whatever they are. They don't try to address your issues if you don't talk about them. They don't try to adjust their behavior if you don't provide some kind of alternatives. So campaigns matter, and doing a good job at articulating what's motivating you is important. But it also helps to know realistically what's going to happen. And I went into the Supreme Court race knowing that Texas is a Republican state and I'm a Democrat and, you know, snowball's chances is a good way of describing it. And we actually did way better than we expected in that race. But I went into it knowing that I wanted to talk about issues that I hoped the other side was listening to and would be compelled at times to actually respond. So I did that. And I also went into it knowing that since I probably wasn't going to win, the calculus wasn't really there, that I was going to have fun. So I would go to parts of the state that weren't necessarily ones rich with votes, but that I wanted to see again, or that had motivated people that needed encouragement, and I would go be part of the nurturing process of building a party. So I I went into it with a different mindset, eyes wide open about the ultimate success for validation of what you're doing as the accolades. If you live for just the accolades, you're really missing out on a lot and you'll walk away dissatisfied a lot. But if you take the joy from seeing, and I'll share this one with you. I mean, I used to see people on the street in Houston and for a period of time, I was the magistrate in the jail. So it's like, I would recognize them and I would wait for them to recognize me before I would say anything because it's like, maybe they don't want me to recognize them. Eight times out of 10, so thank you. You gave me direction when you let me out of jail that morning that was important. So 
those moments are just as important to me as you know the grander moments. Do you have any book, publication, podcast, anything you've looked at sort of for inspiration in your life that has helped you to drive you during sort of these moments where it may be harder than others? I'm in recovery and have been for a long time. So the 12 steps are kind of ingrained in my system of being and how I behave. So acceptance, changing what I can, acknowledging what I can't, trying to be rigorously honest, both with myself and others, to the extent that I look for something more poetic and spiritual, I have found the writings on many scholars and, I guess, spiritual leaders of Buddhism to be somewhat inspiring and helpful. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and certainly have that Protestant Christian tradition and awareness of the Bible. So, you know, periodically a, a psalm or somebody like that will pop into my head and I'll take some solace in that momentarily. But I guess if I'm actively thinking and looking for something, it's just as apt to be a, the words of Jing Mei Lim from, you know, I think he was 16th century, maybe 17th century Indian or Khalil Gibran. So we have a lot of folks from different backgrounds who listen to the podcast. If someone is thinking about running for judge, what do you recommend as sort of a starting point? Or frankly, what do you recommend as something to think about before they do it? The reality of being in public life is very different than the thought of it. Your idea of what it's like to run for office and your idea of what it's like to be in office is quite different than what is actually going to happen to you. More people are going to know you than you have possibly had a chance to know. More people are going to know your story than you've had a chance to tell. And so you really have to be aware of what your public story is, because if there's a chink in it, somebody's going to find it. So whatever your shortcomings are, you need to be comfortable talking about them. And whatever your strengths are, you need to have humility in talking about them because there's somebody else that's going to do better. The reality of the amount of time that it takes is something you don't have a grasp of until you're actually doing it. Same thing with the amount of money it takes. You're not going to have a grasp of it until you actually do it. And that's going to be true whether it's a small town where the budget's 2000 or metropolis uh, where your budgets are millions it's still going to be just not until you do it you just don't know and you just have to be prepared and ready to accept that you don't know and then thirdly you need to make sure that people around you are willing to support you through it because you got to have that you can't do it on your own if your spouse significant other children aren't behind you the demands of it will be such that you will strain those relationships to a point where you don't want to do that. So be sure you got everybody on board. Steve, thanks so much for being on the show. I look forward to visiting you in Nacogdoches, Texas. Good to visit with you, Joe, as always. Like I said earlier, if you ever find yourself behind the Pine Curtain in deep east Texas, I got a bedroom for you. You can watch the 
crickets come out at night with me. To find out more about Judge Steve Kirkland, check out the link in the description. And we're back. That was a great interview. Steve is awesome, and I really appreciate him taking the time to share with us his election journey. And one of the things that I take away from that interview is public service is not a monolith. There isn't one way to serve. We have a lot of folks who've either won and then lost or lost and then won lots of combinations, but we've also seen people move on and get appointed to things, work in government in some way, and really be able to serve. So be open to what your options are. And again, running again can be an option. It might not feel that way the day after the election, and you might have to take a breath, and it might not mean running for the same office again, but give yourself some time and think through what you want to do and what are ways that you can serve. The other part that I think is super important is help your team out. There may be folks that volunteered, that worked on the campaign, and that they need your emotional support, and they also need support in finding their next thing. Be a resource, engage, and help them. Absolutely. I think Mayor Parker, who's been on this, who we've talked about, always says that public office is a tool, not a destination. And there are a lot of tools that you can utilize to continue to be a leader in your community. I think one of the other things to remember is you do want to have that support system set up for you and for it not to be an afterthought after you do lose a campaign, right? Whether it's mental support or emotional support, make sure that you have your friends, your families, your therapist ready to do some loving on you because it can be really hard. It was your name on the ballot. It was your message on those mail pieces. It was your campaign, right? And so know that it will be tough at the beginning, but whether you need to take a vacation or you need to take a couple days off, do that, but know that there are always options for you to get back into it and do the work that you need to do because you really built a name for yourself and a structure around you during the campaign, whether that's an email list, whether that's coalition members, relationships you build with voters and constituents, community leaders, and you don't wanna sort of drop them just because you lost, right? You put a lot of time and energy and resources into building up those assets and you wanna continue to use those, whether you decide to run again, whether you get appointed to office or whether you just become an active leader in your community and continue to remind folks that elections are coming or continue to remind folks where they can access services. Again, if the ultimate goal was to better your community, there are ways for you to think about utilizing everything that you gained from even a losing campaign to continue to do that work for your community. And what I'll say is I have always learned more as an operative from my losses than from my wins. I have reflected more on those. I still do that to this day. And that has been a learning opportunity. If you're going to be working in politics you're going to have to get used to losing because eventually you are going to lose. You have to think about the long view and you have to think about why are you in this in the first place and what are the things that you're trying to help change and move forward. And that is a long-term process. 
We are going to have things in the show notes, both lists of wrap up, different ways that you can look at this. So check that out. Lots of blog posts that we will put in there. But Martine, I think that's a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any specific questions or comments about what you should do after you lose a campaign, feel free to contact us using social media or the email address in the show description. Also remember to like, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening. So until next time, this is Martin Diego Garcia. And Joe Fold breaking down how to win a campaign. How to win a campaign is Joe Fold. Martin Diego Garcia, Elizabeth Rowe, Carrie Yanata, Gabriella Zwaffler, and Hope Ledford. Music by Mike Pinto. Sound editing by The Sound Sanagoma. Special thanks to the team at the Campaign Workshop. Please review, like, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.